Let us continue in a spirit of prayer. God of wisdom and truth, at the beginning of this new year, we look back and we look forward. In the year that has passed, we experienced joy and we experienced sorrow. We felt blessed and we felt challenged. Some things went by much too quickly and some things lingered for far too long. We are reminded that you are present through it all. We are reminded that we are never alone. We are reminded that nothing can separate us from your love. So at the beginning of this new year, we pause to reflect on the year that has passed. We remember the things from this past year that we are most thankful for. We recall the moments we were the happiest. We consider the times we felt most alive. We recognize the times we gave and received the most love. We are grateful, God, that you were present in those times. We also remember the things from this past year we are least thankful for. We recall the moments we were the least happy. We consider the times we felt life draining from us. We remember the times we were stricken with grief. We recognize the times we gave and received the least love. We are grateful that you were present in those times too. Gracious God, at the beginning of this new year, we also look forward to the year to come. We are confident that you will be with us still when we are thankful and when we are not, when we are happy and when we are sad, when we feel alive and when we feel drained, when we give and receive love and when we do not, when we hope and when we despair. God, the world we live in is messy and challenging, yet, you are always with us. So give us grace and give us courage to live faithfully in this imperfect world. Remind us always of the promise of your kingdom merging around us and through us. We continue in a spirit of prayer as we join our voices in praying the prayer you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And let us consider how we might give back to our generous God during this time of offering.
worship God with this happy new year. Sing, levy do, sing, levy do, the water and the wine, the seven quart gold wires, and the bugles that do shine. Sing, rain of Let us pray. As we bring our offerings to you, we give back to you from the abundant blessings you have given us. May our gifts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord our God. Blessing and glory, wisdom and thanksgiving, honor and power and strength be unto you, our God, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Our scripture reading comes from uh, the letter to the Hebrews. It's a book that we don't read a lot of. It's a book that kind of stands out as uh, a quirky book in the New Testament, uh, among the New Testament letters. And yet it's a book with um, interesting depth and wisdom and vision. So hear now these words from Holy Scripture. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, 
and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. May God bless our understanding of this sacred text, and will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Years ago, my friend Lee told a story that left me giggling for weeks. It was the kind of thing I would be doing something else and all of a sudden I'd be giggling again about Lee and her story. She was awake in the wee hours of the morning with her newborn baby. She fed him, changed him, swallowed him, and put him back in the crib. And the whole time she felt a little off, as though she was a bit off. Everything seemed kind of fuzzy, but you know, that's to be expected when you are completely exhausted by the demands of a newborn baby. Only when Lee caught a glimpse of herself in the mirror did she figure out what the problem was. She was wearing her sunglasses in her pajamas in the middle of the night while feeding and diapering her baby. I loved the story, not only because, again, I find it incredibly funny, that vision of Lee in the mirror in her sunglasses. I love it because it's actually kind of a decent metaphor for the practical and spiritual work that we tend to do around the turning of the year. Now is a good time to take a good look at ourselves in the symbolic mirror, to take stock of who we are and what we're doing. And if we find something amiss, now is the time to change, to free ourselves from whatever is preventing us from being fully alive. Lee's tale of the midnight sunglasses actually reminds me a lot of the story of Paul's conversion. Before he became Paul, the apostle and author of so many New Testament letters, Paul was called Saul, and he was a kind of terrible man. He loved nothing more than persecuting the early Christians. Yet one day on the road to Damascus, Saul was blinded by a light from God. His blindness lasted for three days, during which he prayed in despair and confusion and total darkness. Finally, God sent a man to help Paul. Brother Saul, Ananias explained, the Lord sent me, Jesus, who appeared to you on the way as you were coming here. He sent me so that you could see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And with that, the scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see the truth, not only about himself, but about the God whom he had rejected. He couldn't do it alone. He needed that faithful mirror of Ananias standing with him. Saul was immediately baptized into the very faith and fellowship he had gleefully oppressed. Yes, New Year's Day is a wonderful time to reflect, 
a great day to remove the shades, so to speak, to see clearly and act accordingly. And many people act accordingly by making New Year's resolutions. Now, maybe you love them, maybe you hate them, maybe you're somewhere in, the, in between, maybe you gave up making them years ago. Maybe you're one of those people who actually finally made some huge change in your life because of a New Year's resolution. Or maybe you've learned the hard way that you're not the kind of person who can drastically change just because there's a new calendar tacked to the wall. A couple of years ago, while poking around in my parents' basement, I found an old journal that contained my New Year's resolutions from 1992. Now, I can date the chart precisely to that year because it mentioned the boy I had a crush on. I had resolved to stop thinking about him all the time. I also resolved to stop biting my nails, to pray more, to learn how to do my hair so it looked good, to get out of my sister's shadows, and to find out why boys were such jerks. I was 12. Note that this is a far from comprehensive list. There were 20, 20 New Year's resolutions on my chart. And it also contained a way to monitor my progress. I drew this chart by hand with a ruler and made check marks each month if I determined I had improved in that area. You'll be happy to know that I did, in fact, figure out why boys were such jerks in March of that year. <laughs> Though I didn't write it down, so I can't pass on that um, wisdom. I'm still not sure if I figured out how to do my hair so it looks good. But I had a good laugh when I found this chart. There's a bar in New York City that used to host cringe nights where people stand up and read old diary entries to great hilarity. This thing would have been an excellent contribution to the fun. I didn't even go into the complicated longhand mathematics I did in the margin to determine what percentage of my resolutions I had kept each month. I didn't even like math, like at all. But as I read that, uh, that diary chart, I also felt an enormous pang of empathy for the earnest and self-conscious girl I used to be. I want to go back and tell her to calm down, that she doesn't need this ill-fated plan for self-improvement. I want to go back and tell her she's beloved just the way she is. And maybe that's why I remain ambivalent about New Year's resolutions. They can be so great, but they can also be like trying to change while we're still wearing sunglasses at midnight. They don't show us the truth about who we are or the truth about who God made us to be. And here is the truth. We cannot save ourselves. All the self-improvement in the world does not protect us from heartbreak, guarantee our safety, or manifest salvation. Nor does fixing our bad habits make us even a modicum more lovable in God's eyes. We are beloved just the way we are. And through the power 
of God, the God of love who does have the power to redeem and restore. We have everything we need, everything we need to be fully alive in Christ. Consider those strange and wondrous words from the letter to the Hebrews. We have confidence to enter the sanctuary, not because of anything we have done. We can mosey right into the Holy of Holies, previously a space set aside for only those who were anointed and set apart. We can do that because of everything God has done, not what we have done, what God has done. Jesus is the great priest over the house of Israel. Jesus is the author of a new and living way. And we are invited to walk in this way. The invitation is to participate in what God is already doing, to trust that God is faithful even when we are not. We are welcome to return, to approach again with a true heart in full assurance of faith, to rejoin the congregation of grateful followers of Jesus Christ. And that's the other thing I love about this Hebrews passage and what, it, what made it feel so perfectly weighted for New Year's Day worship. In addition to reminding us that we are not responsible for saving ourselves, it also reminds us that we do bear a different responsibility. We are responsible to one another. In the great story of salvation, the collection of Christ followers becomes something new, the church. We are not walking the new and living way alone. We need community. And by God's grace and wisdom, we have been given one. Let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, but encouraging one another. Now this is the kind of New Year's intention I can get behind. Grounded in God's presence, confident in Christ's sanctuary, and empowered by the friendship of the Spirit, we are charged to participate in holy provocation, to incite exchanges of love and goodness. And we are reminded in no uncertain terms not to neglect to meet together. If we must cultivate one new or renewed habit in 2023, gathering regularly with our community of faith is at the top of my list. My mother always said that you will spend New Year's Day, the way you spend New Year's Day will somehow be reflected in the coming year. That you have chosen to enter this new year by entering the sanctuary with confidence is a beautiful thing. God will meet you here always in things seen and unseen. God will meet you here always through the kindness and encouragement of friends. God will meet you here always and love you just as you are and keep you on the new and living way. So let's ask God to help us remove 
the sunglasses or scales preventing us from seeing ourselves clearly. Let's ask God to give us the pluck to tear up the charts that are not about grace. Let us gratefully accept the gifts and graces we have been given for this journey. And let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for God is faithful. May it be so. Amen.